in 86. And M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Hello and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, Tanner, take your cue. I, and me, Tanner Greenring, <laughs> talk about the classic novels of Anne M. Martin featuring a bunch of babysitters. And just a little backstory, as a young man at my cousin's house, I read all of her Babysitter's Club books when I would hang out there. And Tanner, on the other hand, uh, has professional aspirations to one day be a babysitter. Yeah. So this is this is basically um, like a self-help self-help manual like a professional guide for him parents of america send your kids my way <laughs> i'm ready for them. all right so this this week we read the truth about stacy what a ride what a what a thrill ride this what a one ride was. just a quickly uh just very quickly yeah get in my notes here yeah page 13 of this book mm-hmm. uh here's what stacy said i'm diabetic and absolutely not allowed to have any extra sweets yeah page 12 great the truth comes out the truth about Stacy oh, wow. comes out. Okay. Keep in mind, uh, we learned the truth about Stacy in book one, Christie's Great Idea. Stacy's diabetic. That's the truth about Stacy. I'm thrilled that you missed the subtext. I'm thrilled that, that you're opening with having missed the entire point of this, the entire point of this book, which is, to my mind, a, a fascinating analysis <laughs> of truth and deception and how we present ourselves and what it means to identify as a certain kind of person and the polyvalency of truth. <laughs> so your reading is like the existential truth about Stacey. Let me, let me have a crack at what the truth about Stacey is. We'll just start there. Okay. Um, one truth about Stacey is that she has diabetes. That's not the whole truth about Stacy. The truth about Stacy is so much more complex. The truth about Stacy is that she likes to wear dinosaur berets. You're that just she's, reading off your iPad. She's in a hopeless love triangle. How much do you pre-pro for this Pete. podcast? I, I, <laughs> I did. I wrote down a lot about her dinosaur fixation. Do you know what I was doing right before I came here? Yeah. Playing a game on my iPhone where you can fight Captain Kirk okay. against like Captain Archer or Captain Picard in the Star Trek universe. Great. It's Star Trek Timelines. Check it out. Awesome. What's Not a sponsor. The, uh, Babysitter's Club book where that shows up? doesn't happen in a Babysitter's Club. I just wanted to... Sh- just kind of point out to our listeners that you put a lot of pre-pro into this. <laughs> Great. And I don't put any pre-pro into this. <laughs> I think that's probably super evident. My point about the truth about Stacy is that... Oh, God, let me tell you what else I did today, man. Okay. Woo! You seem a little tense. All right. Are you a little tense? Yeah, I'm a little tense. You seem a little tense. I'm a little tense. As I said before... This is a very complex text that we're trying to dive we into. We had a run at this episode earlier in the week. Yeah. Sorry, excuse the cat fighting. <laughs> Yeah, Jack's right. cats are not getting along right now. Uh, you and I had kind of a, a busy week, mm-hmm. tense week. Tense week. Took a run at the podcast earlier this week. Oh man, we just couldn't get it done. Couldn't get it done. Decided let's reschedule for Friday. I'm now willing to admit that we were. I was like raring to go and wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, but I now think that I was like manic in the opposite direction than you were <laughs> after that pretty rough week of work. Yeah. Then would have just been it would have been off the off the rails. Yeah, you would have been you would have been manic high. I yeah. would have been depressive low. Yeah, and the middle ground would have been one hell of a boring podcast. <laughs> um, but we're back now. We're back. My birthday is right around the corner. Yeah. So my friend Jim today uh, asked me to play hooky from work, go to a beautiful 
place called Spa Castle. Yep. I've been at a spa for the last eight hours, <laughs> sweating it out, rubbing it out. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry. A, you're, is that your pre-pro? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't think before I spoke there, but someone rubbed me. Someone uh-huh. gave me a massage. I got a massage. Okay. So I'm feeling good, man. Good. I'm feeling loose. Spa Castle is, as described, both a spa and a castle. Great. So I'm feeling great. Yeah. You went to work today. I went to work today. Like a chump. I'm a little high strung. It's coming across. Yeah. In your pre-pro. Yeah. So let's do it, man. Let's, let's ride the it. wave. All right. So Sorry, that was a huge interruption, but no, I just wanted to. Good. I wanted to point out how relaxed and great I'm feeling. What did, did that prepare you to talk about the correspondence theory of truth in this <sighs> novel? Yeah, man. I'm ready to dive in. <laughs> You know, I'm ready for anything. I just let's not talk about. We're going to talk a lot about truth because obviously that's what this is exploring from a lot of different areas. The point that I want to make is that Stacy is not just defined by her diabetes, and it worries me for you as a sensitive reader of this text that you didn't get that. You were like, oh, the truth about Stacy. She's just like, like Stacy, diabetes. This is a first person. This book was told in the first person from Stacy's point of view. Yeah, page twelve. I am a diabetic, and I can't have a lot of sweets. She she defines herself by her diabetes. Most of the book, this is the A plot of the book. Yeah. I am Stacy, and I have diabetes. I disagree. Let's go to the text. Let's say what the hell happens in this book. Let me take a crack at it. You want to take a crack? Want to take a crack at it? Usually you like to put me on the spot. No, then me. I'm going to put you on the fucking spot. All is not as it seems in the sleepy town where our heroine, Stacy McGill, resides. A mysterious group called the Agency is plastering ominous flyers around the town. Uh, Stacy's parents, meanwhile, are attempting to institutionalize her and send her to various weird, frightening doctors for more and more tests. At the same time, an enemy from her past has returned with a vendetta and also a promise to reveal... The truth about Stacy. It sounded like you were describing an episode of Buffy the Vampire. Yeah. (laughs) And not what this book actually was. I think that's accurate. Do you deny the accuracy of any of that? No, that's good. You've clearly had a lot of time to think about this and uh, pre-produce it. Um, Great, great. uh, Let me take an off-the-cuff 60 seconds. All right, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Do you need time to get in the right headspace, or do you want me to just hit start and you're ready? 60 I'm seconds. Ready. I'm going to say last time we talked about this. About I gave you 60 seconds. You got, yeah, you got about 10% of the way through the book. <laughs> okay. I got it this time. You got it? Yep. All right. Hang on. Ready? Yep. All right. Let's go. Okay. Um, the one family whose name I want to say is the Watsons, but it's not the Watsons because that's Christy's stepdad, oh, man. are having a baby. Uh, they, the babysitter scheme to take care of the little boy whose name I – Jamie. Jamie. While when the baby comes out. Um lo and behold there's a rival agency in town who are older girls and can stay out later stacy has diabetes her parents want to take her to new york city to go to a quack doctor 30 seconds um the it turns out that the other the agency the babysitters agency are all uh quacks as is stacy's holistic healing doctor they the babysitters dismantle the other agency stacy convinces parents not to take her to the holistic doctor everything works out fine stacy is managing your diabetes the babysitter's back on top Whoa, 51 seconds. Yeah. Well done. That was good. That was good. That was really good. I got it all. That was great. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to be honest. This segment was really just designed for me to make fun of how long it takes you 
to I almost up. did it, man. You saw me <laughs> yeah. get caught up on the name of the family that are uh, not the Watsons. I was I loved I shouldn't have called you out. You were gonna spend like thirty seconds being like, Is it the Watsons? No, what are they called? Oh, who knows, man. Come on, man. This is it's no. it's the entire plot of the book. All right, so I'm supposed to I'm supposed to fill in for you while you uh, look crap up on your yeah, iPhone. No, vamp, vamp, is that what vamp, happened? Vamp, I'm a vamp. Um, talk about your day. The Newtons. Okay. Jamie Newtons. Newton. The Newtons. The Newtons. I wonder if there's some significance there. And now the beautiful babe, Lucy Jane. Oh, Newton. Nice. Yeah, Lucy Jane Newton. Um, there's a new there's a new baby hey, in Stony Brook. Hey, you. They're going crazy, man. No, they like waited until we started recording. <laughs> Start howling at one another. They know something's going on. All right, where do you want to? How do you want to get into this text? Let's start by talking about the agency. So I think that's a the most interesting thing about. Don't this. don't give them the don't give them what they want by calling them the agency. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's cool. The coolest thing about this book is compared with the other books is there's this real tension because right at the beginning there's this new babysitting club, like evil babysitting club in town called the Babysitters Agency. Evil or Business savvy. <laughs> um, okay, is it business savvy to smoke in the house no, while you're no, babysitting no. and leave a cigarette stain on the? I'm not talking which about is literally what happens. I'm is not it talking, business savvy to leave a three year old child out in the street without mittens on? I'm not referring which is literally what they do at one point. I'm not referring to the conduct of their babysitters. I'm referring to their business practices, okay. which are a Ponzi. You scheme. have to admit. A Ponzi scheme. Very smart. A Ponzi scheme. No, they do everything the babysitters can't, man. Do you they wanna... stay out till 2 in the morning. Yeah. They have older girls yeah. to take care of infants. Yep. They've got it all figured out. There's a, They're a network. They, they don't even do... Like, the two girls who are running it, Michelle and Liz, they don't even babysit. They just... They don't need to, man. They they're just, business. They have, like, a stable of girls. They're a business, man. Who, who like, not go out and babysit. No, wait, sorry. They're a businessman. Not a... No, wait. They're a business, please, comma man. Let's not. Not a businessman. <laughs> they have a stable of girls who go out and babysit on their behalf, who are terrible babysitters. Yeah, they don't vet their babysitters very well. Fucking, I'll admit that atrocious babysitters. But and then Liz and Michelle just sit back and take it like a cut. That's pretty fucking smart. No, man. it's cool. I'm not gonna lie. That's I thought a it was good business it was model. Cool. And like, I think Anne M. Martin does a really good job of hammering home that these are like serious cutthroat. Yeah. Like bad babysitters who are going to put the no, they're not like, bad babysitters. They're, they're bad. savvy business. No, women. it's like big babysitting. Big babysitting has come to Stony Brook is going to put these girls this small like local beloved babysitting operation that's like behind the times on technology. Guess, man, it's going to put like, them out of business. You know what Christy should have done is adapted. What she decided to do was corporate espionage and literally destroy these women's lives, these young women's lives. What she should have done and said, oh, they actually have a lot of really good ideas. Uh, we should pivot and do some of that stuff. Yeah. Like have older babysitters who can stay out till 2 in the I morning. I think Chrissy in this novel is on top of that. Like she's being reactionary. Yeah, she does it reluctantly. The, one of the first things they do is they're like, oh, we need a new marketing campaign. And they all wear sandwich boards to yeah, Embarrassing. And also do like housework for free. Yeah. I actually, I don't think they ever pulled the trigger on that. Well, there was like a revolution inside the club. Like Claudia and Stacy didn't want to do these cost-saving techniques. Here's something I wrote down. Okay. At one point, Stacy's out with Charlotte and Liz from the agency yeah. approaches them with balloons. Right. And hands a balloon to Charlotte that has all her contact information on it. 
Stacy brings it back to Christy, and Christy says, balloons, why didn't we think of that? Do you want to know why Christy didn't think of that? Because she's not... She's not a savvy businesswoman. No, they need, they need like a CCL. And I think Liz and other one... Yeah. ...could have been those savvy CCLs. No, I... I think what they should have done, instead of destroying them, was incorporate that no i strongly disagree and for the following reason this is the theme of truth is here too where it seems like liz and michelle are are a babysitting agency but they're not like they're just out to make a quick cash grab no they don't give a shit they're smart though no they don't give a shit about babies or but they're good at what they do man those are some a plus marketing techniques yeah no they're good at that so christy and and crew should have been like hey you know what we'll pay you a 15% cut of all earnings oh, to just show up at meetings oh, and, be and just give us ideas. That would be devastating. But they're going to make it up, man. Yeah. They're going to make it up because they're going to have balloons. They're going to have Those, sandwich these boards. are smoking. <laughs> they're like... That's not them. That's not them. They're like friends with smokers. Well, that's cool. <laughs> it's not cool, man. Not in this world. That's cool like, not. Well. I don't know yeah. any smokers. No, I don't love it. Do you want to talk about... I've got, I've got two topics. Do you want to talk about the surveillance state the next episode we're going to record is going to be in berlin oh yeah that's true you and i are both going to berlin for work yeah i, w- I was out with a friend today at yeah. the spa a lovely man andrew i like that i like that you're like you're referencing just the names of like dudes that you're <laughs> just dudes are friends yeah. of mine. uh he was talking about the berlin club Berghain. okay where our friend uh, uh i yeah I feel like I know this story. Made water <laughs> on a gentleman. That's your note? When he was out there? Uh-huh. But it turns out, so Andrew yeah. has also been to that club. Yeah. The basement of that club is a, I don't, I can't think of a delicate, friendly. Way to say sex dungeon? Way to say sex dungeon. Okay. But apparently the upper level uh-huh. is just like a really cool club. So we should go there while we're there. Okay. Maybe. You and I are not clubbers, but let's go check it out. So you want to go? You want to go to the like the friendly main floor above the sex dungeon? Yeah, <laughs> and not and not dip into the basement at any point. Well, okay. we'll see. Okay, um, um, and you want to re- you want to record our episode there? Ooh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I feel like some like grinding techno music. <laughs> so <laughs> really, some Berlin really... EDM. <laughs> Add a lot of yeah, I think uh, so too. Sorry, that was a diversion. I just it popped into my head. Um, I've got two topics that I want to talk about. I want to I, maybe I want to talk about the surveillance state because that's like such a pervasive theme of this book. I also kind of want to talk about the weird love triangle. Ooh. between Stacy, yeah, Sam, and Pete. Not what I expected you to say. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Well, no, not really. I think you're reading into it because you're a weirdo. No, well, maybe it does, the triangle doesn't work in all directions. But Stacy is like in a relationship with this dude, Pete, but it's a fucking sham. And no, but she seems genuinely into him. No, too. it's a fucking sham. She's, she's like, like embarrassed when she's wearing a sandwich board around him. She's like touched when he offers to take it off for her. All she's talking Sorry, about is weird. Christie's brother, Sam. Like she, Whenever she it. brings up Pete, who she's... Literally boyfriend and girlfriend with like they've been well, to. Come on, they're twelve. They've been to a movie together. They went to the Halloween Hop last time, and in the interim and going, between, and these... they're going to the the Snowflake Sonata. Yeah, they're going to the Snowflake Ball, and well, they're not going to the Snowflake Ball. Pete is aware that like he's losing Stacy's interest, 
And he's like, oh, what's the only thing that ever worked oh, to I get? I know, I know. Getting pregnant. No. Oh. <laughs> I misunderstood. <laughs> I mean, basically, in, in this world, it's that equivalent. It's uh, it's inviting her to a dance. It's inviting her to some kind of a hop or a ball. Sure. Um, and it, it's like this sad thing. Like, she's obviously obsessed with Sam, who's like a little older. She and didn't talk about it. Despite this book being first person, she... Mentioned Sam once. Well, she's dealing with some shit. Yeah. She's dealing with some fucking shit. She's trying to convince her adult parents that this shyster scam artist, Dr. Holistic Healer, is not right for her. Yeah. And has to get pretty subversive. She has to recruit. So for me, this is like, the the last book was a gothic novel. We both agreed. (laughs) Did we? It was like a pastiche of the gothic novel. This this book to me is a dystopian science fiction. Wow. Right? You saw that, right? I saw it more as a Grisham-style corporate espionage thriller. I think those two things can coexist. Mm-hmm. So it's like I just want to quickly touch yeah. on this before I forget, because I thought this as I was reading it. Um, AIDS scare. <laughs> There's a lot of like AIDS fear in this. Okay. This book came out in 1986. Right. Middle of the AIDS epidemic. Uh-huh. They treat Stacy's manageable, fairly common yep. disease right. as though it was HIV. Yeah. I mean, they're like, losing People are afraid to like, touch minds. her. Yeah. She, like, she's embarrassed by it. Her she's best friend like, ostracizes her because she's worried she can catch it. Right. She's afraid to like touch her pee. That's, I think that's real. I'm not afraid to touch your pee. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> if you peed on something and I'd like, clean it up, Yeah, I wouldn't want to like, I don't want you to pee on me. You know that's the first time you said that to me. <laughs> we'll wait till we're at first time. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Next week on the Babysitters Club. <laughs> Club. Don't you think, man? Don't you think that there's yeah. like a an AIDS scare kind of thing? No, going totally. On in this book? That's real. I didn't. I didn't catch that. That's a, that's totally right. The way they deal with diabetes, it's like over the top. Not just Stacy's best friend who can possibly be forgiven for it. So this girl Lane suddenly ostracizes Stacy and refuses to hang out with her. Is that a cat? <laughs> My cat is throwing up. <laughs> They're like acting up in this way that they never do. There's these like old man sounds coming from the other room. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's, good. Louder, it's louder than any sound a cat should be able to make. Oh, that's so good. All right, so what let me gonna, let me throw okay, a few corporate espionage. Let me throw a few facts at you. Southern Gothic. Um, Stacy's parents, because of this diabetes thing, but yeah. Stacy's parents are like freakishly monitoring her food habits. Like if she eats like half of her dinner, they follow her up to her room and are like, "We we well, noticed that Jack, you didn't." She could die. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna pile up a wall, what's called a wall of evidence for you. Okay. Marianne's dad is constantly monitoring Marianne's every action. She's supposed to end the Babysitter's Club meeting at 6 o'clock. Jack, we can't keep talking about the patriarchy. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. If she leaves the Babysitter's Club meeting a minute later than 6 o'clock, Marianne's dad is all over her. Uh, Food's here. All right, hang tight. What'd you guys order? Vegan. For our listeners, Sarah and Jack are vegan. It's a real burden. He's not in the room right now. So I feel comfortable saying this, but it really limits our food choices. I'm not eating with them. I ate before I came over because we're vegan. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. 
what would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to do a whole bunch, like just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is like, getting people wet who don't want to be wet so it's like stepping in a puddle or like sitting on a bench that's wet that's us like that's what we do share this with a friend one like one prayer i will follow through on the like prayer stuff too i will be praying all night i would use today's sponsor betterhelp.com um of course i can't i an evil tanner i can only use the deep web we do have a deep web version of betterhelp.com um it's called worsehelp.com it's not good but i think betterhelp.com is great from everything i've heard convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time, no additional charge. Uh, go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bedfellows to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash bedfellows. See you there. Well, not me, but have fun. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I covered a little bit, man. Yeah, I just kind of really invited. I, you know what I did? I, I parted the kimono. Oh yeah, yeah. For our listeners, what did I you invited do? them in? I invited them behind the veil. Okay, just talked about our lives, talked about our relationship. All right, let me get right back into this. I'm gonna pile up a wall of evidence for you, and I'm gonna start from the beginning. Hit me. Stacy's parents are always monitoring her food habits because if they didn't, she would die. Okay, sure. Marianne's dad is constantly monitoring if she's late for a second. It's a problem. One woman in his life, Jack. He's not going to lose another. Okay. There is a rival babysitter's agency that is literally spying on them to see what they do. Savvy businesswomen who picked up on their model and improved upon it. Okay. Here's a quote Christy acted as if the school were bugged or something. Oh. Uh oh. Wait, I see where you're going with this. And then here's my final thing. It's like Minority Report. So you know the kid Newton, the kid whose sister Lucy is about to be born? Jamie. Jamie Newton. Yeah. They literally throw a big brother party for him. I didn't even think of that, man. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, that's spooky. They literally throw a big brother party. Ooh. This is the second week in a row that these books have given me the shivers. Last week it was like true crime. Yeah. This week it's like dystopian yeah you're on my wavelength now you're feeling this this kid is worried about his new sister coming into the world and they're like oh let's indoctrinate you 
into this crazy surveillance state that we all live in. So it, with is, a still, fucking it is still patriarchy. Big brother party. Well, you know, sure. I'm sure that's part of it. You're I'm, saying Jamie is setting his little sister Lucy up to be oppressed. I think it's something more ominous. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, so I've got some stuff on that, right? Lucy Jane. That's the name of the child. Yeah. I mean, name. come on. Pretty obvious, right? Let me see. Let me try to suss it out. Okay. Uh, LJ. No. LJB. No. LBJ. Let me... Uh, Lucy Stone, the prominent orator and abolitionist feminist in the 1800s. Sure. Yep. Jane Addams, the woman's suffrage leader who co-founded the ACLU. Yeah. And who fucking freaks out about it? Who is like, oh, fuck, I don't want Lucy Jane in my life. The boy that they throw a big brother party for. Wow. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's what Anna Martin was going for? Yeah, no, that's what that's where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. This book is published in 1986. Uh-huh. Lucy Jane. Yeah. 30 years old. Oh, that's weird. Today. That's weird. Yeah. I know you're trying to get heavy, but let's bring it back to a oh, yeah. real quick. You could date her. 30, I could date her <laughs> if I wasn't currently if I married. If I weren't. <laughs> currently married. That's good. Yeah. Well, that means- I've got single friends, though. I can introduce her to people. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what she's up to. Um, she must have had a hard time of it, being born into this like creepy, like Stepford Wives community. I mean, it just Stony Brook. It, it further lends to my theory that the fictional town of Stony Brook, Connecticut, is this odd place out of time. Yeah, you know, it's this it's this fantasy realm. Well, it's it's all like it's, it's like a, uh, it's like yeah. Narnia. We talked about this before. They're like obsessed with babysitting. There's not even that many babies in this city. Yeah. There's not room for two no, agencies. It's like how There's are, like 15 children. Why are in their city? phones like there are two fucking babysitting agencies in this small town and their phones are ringing off the hook every night with like desperate babysitting calls like emergency like I've you, got think the, so many you think babies. the parents are out committing a cult <laughs> Yeah. Ceremonies, yeah, why it's like they... eyes wide shut. They're all meeting in the hall to like have orgies. Yeah, yeah. I mean something, right? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> the next nearest town. What it are they was even revealed... doing? It's Stony Brook, Connecticut. Like, where are they fucking going without their babies? The next nearest town. It was revealed in this book that the next yeah. nearest town is twenty miles away. Like, what kind of town is not within twenty miles? I'm sure a lot of our listeners, hello listeners, <laughs> to once again part the kimono. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you say before, man? But when? When you parted the kimono before? When you were off getting food? Yeah, nothing, man. All right, let me ask you. I want to do a little role play here because I want to really get to the bottom of this. Okay. Of this little joke. All right. Are <laughs> you ready? <laughs> yeah. So here's what I need you to say in the role play. No, that's not how role. No, play this works. is how it works. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll make it so that it works. So in this role play, you're a person who can only say one kind of sentence. Okay. And that sentence is. I'd call her anything except late for dinner. No, I wrote this down too. <laughs> That's the role play. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, so you've got your part. You've got your character. You're a I can person. Say, I can you're say like, one thing. You're a normally intelligent. You're an intelligent person. Like you maybe even have a job. You're you're smart. You went to college. Like you're fine. But the, the you have something wrong with you that no matter what you're trying to say, the thing that you say that your mouth says is I'd call her anything except late for dinner. 
Yeah. Are you inhabiting that role? Yeah, I'm just. I I also marked this line down, so I'm just pulling it up real quick. Okay. So, that I, I so you can you can read it out. It you don't fresh. need to. Just get be, do some method acting. Be that person. <laughs> be that person who. That's the only thing you can Here, say. Here's what I wrote down on that line. That is a really stupid joke. <laughs> that's that's what you looked up. Are you ready for the role play? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you call a babysitter who doesn't show up for a job and doesn't call the parents to explain why? I call her anything except late for dinner. <laughs> what is that? Leslie and Janet doubled over with laughter at their stupid joke is the next line. <laughs> that I'm like I think it's significant that we both wrote that down because it's not there's no structure to, like I there's nothing in that joke. It's quaint. It's quaint. What? It's like All back right. when everyone lived on farms and everyone was out tilling the farms and they had to like call them. Let's for parse it. Is the idea that if the babysitter isn't showing up for the job, it must therefore be that she needed to get to dinner on time? Listen, this is something <laughs> that Janet heard her like 45-year-old father say. Yeah. And her 45-year-old father in 1986 right. grew up on a farm in Connecticut. That was like a really rough that was, joke. That was hilarious. Yeah. That was the This is a generational thing. That was the like that's what she said. Yeah. Of that like was the, the my wife of <laughs> nineteen eighty six. Okay, good. Yeah. People would just be like, I call her anything except late for dinner. Call her anything except my wife. I wanna bring this a little bit more positive. I literally this is real. I like my tear ducts got a little got a little action at the end of this book. I literally shed a tear at the end of this book. For what? Stay for Stacey and Lane's. Uh, yeah, and I'm starting reunion. to cry now. Yeah, it was so dumb. No, it was beautiful. Lane harbored so much ill will towards Stacey based on a minor misconception about diabetes no it was beautiful they like i'm gonna explain it lane is in new york and stacy was in new york and lane and stacy were best friends but when stacy got diagnosed with diabetes lane freaked the fuck out and did some bullshit to her and told everyone that she was contagious and all this weird shit and like stopped being her best friend and then because of that basically because of that Stacy had to move to Stony Brook. So she describes her as my ex-best friend, right. now enemy. She's got a new best friend, Claudia. She's, well, she's yeah, she's got a new best friend, Claudia. And she's like, I feel like she doesn't really like Christy and Marianne. But No, I think she's coming around to Christy. Because Christy Cause likes Christy boys likes now? Boys, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's the context, right? They become estranged. It's really fucking tearing Stacy apart. And then Stacy's like overbearing weird parents bring them back together. They're like, oh, guess who's, guess surprise. Next time we're in New York, we're staying with your friend Lane. And Stacy's like, fuck you guys. But so they, Stacy and Lane at first have this like huge issue. And then they go to a movie and they're freaking out at each other in the movie. Like it comes to blows. They're like super pissed at each other. We can't go in the hallway. No. Stay inside. Are you talking to my cat? Yeah, I'm talking to your cat. They freak out at each other at the movie theater. Yeah. And everyone in the movie theater is like, get the fuck out if you're going to have an argument. Yeah, but though, the, apparently, movies are like, $20 apparently, in like, their parents don't notice. They're like so engrossed in the movie. Like, everyone else in the movie theater is like, get the fuck out. Let's see, 1986. And the parents are like, oh, they're yelling. Like, the two children are y- literally screaming at each other. Keep going. I'm going to look up films they, in 1986. Uh, oh, yeah, we should try to figure out what they were watching. They go into the hallway, and they have it out. They go toe-to-toe. And by the end of it, they're friends. And then the book ends with them calling each other up on the phone and, like, not being able to get off the phone with each other because they miss each other so much. Right. And that, I don't know, that didn't, that, didn't, that didn't bring a little 
tear to your eye? I think Lane's fake, man. Here's what I here's what I think they were probably watching. Stand by me. Uh-huh. Um, Platoon. <laughs> yeah. I think they probably invited these two 12-year-old girls to Platoon. Yeah, I think Platoon is right. Maybe Top Gun? Okay. Oh, wow. Top Ooh, Gun. Ooh, Labyrinth. Was oh, no. Here's definitely what they were watching. Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Oh, almost certainly. Sorry. <laughs> Jenkins. <laughs> Jen- <laughs> Jack's, fucking cat. Jack's cat is just f- mashing his face <laughs> into my microphone. <laughs> if you're in the... Uh, and he was like a force of destruction sonic like, anomalies like... there <laughs> now he's now he's over forcing his face into jack's microphone and like he's like on the laptop he may have just paused the, the recording <laughs> i don't know what to do <laughs> jacob's you monster maybe the fly i mean this that actually makes sense because this book is like a dystopian future i feel like highlander uh, I, I, I only have one one other note. This is a little bit probably too obvious given the themes that we've already brought out about the surveillance state and stuff. I'm sure there are wildcats. Ooh, an American Tale. Maybe they're seeing the American Tale. That's a pretty heavy movie for a kid's movie. Um, but no, so actually I think it probably must have not been an engrossing movie because they missed the whole movie. The parents didn't. There was a movie that came out in 1986 called Solar Babies. No idea what it's about. That sounds awesome. It does sound awesome. Here, let me read the synopsis. In a sun-scorched, post-apocalyptic world, largely bereft of water, a group of youthful orphans, including Jason and Tara, spend their time playing a hard-hitting hockey-like game and defying an authority known as the Protectorate. That sounds awesome. That sounds fucking awesome. That sounds fucking awesome. God. Um, can I take issue with the idea of youthful orphans? <laughs> <laughs> you think it's a... Uh, I think it's redundant. Roger Ebert only gave it a two out of four. I don't know, man. What else you got? You got anything else good from this book? Well, the fact that I'm reading the Solar Babies Wikipedia page probably reveals a lot. Oh, corporate man, you know what was fucking There was a cool. lot of corporate espionage. You know what was cool? We've kind of touched on it, but it really, it was pretty fucked up that the Babysitter's Club dismantled this entire organization. Yeah, and like I get that they weren't like top that they notch, dis- but they dismantled the agency. Trying their best, man. Yeah, and you know what else? Anna Martin tries to deal with it. Like they feel reluctant to report to the parents who are hiring people from the agency that like these fucking babysitters are like leaving the kids out in the so you cold. Know, you and, know how like, they have to do it for them, putting cigarettes out in their house and shit. But it's still stuck with me. I was like, you guys are fucking snitches. You, but you know they didn't even snitch. You know who they had did it for, do them for them. Yeah, they had. That's even children. Worse. They had, that's even worse. They fucking had s- children be they, like, "Hey, I don't want to be a rat." You they recruited to your child man. soldiers. Yeah, no, I didn't. In this want war it. against the agency. Yeah, it worked. It worked. It put this burgeoning, exciting growth industry out of business pretty quick. But oh, I did. Um, I did actually address the love triangle at one point. Oh, real? Yeah. I ran over to Claudia's house. On the way, I passed Sam Thomas. I realized I'd barely thought about him recently. And the note I took was, Sorry, Sam. If you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, but we know that he liked it. Well. Because Christy is confirmed. Too late, man. Should have put I don't think it's too late. She's like constantly talking. She only talks about Pete in the context of Sam Thomas. Do you know who I think... She's like, oh, I'm starting to really like Pete, which has helped me get my mind briefly off of Sam Thomas. Do you know who I think Stacy is really in love with? Who? It's not Sam, and it's not Pete. Let me read this passage. It's her fucking self. If I could have looked at myself, 
I would have seen a second trendy dresser and a fourth long face. More sophisticated than Christie's or Marianne's, but not nearly as beautiful as Claudia's. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's early days, but Stacy and Claudia are basically the same person. You know a lot of people say that about you and I. No. Why would they say that? Because you're big, I'm small. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, I do have about a foot and a half. But they're I guess you're similar. right. You they're both me. like into boys. They're both into fashion. Like they both I, the dinosaur thing I was talking about. Yeah. They're both into dinosaur stuff. Like they both. I think maybe this is like a talented Mr. Ripley kind of thing. Oh shit! Stacy is like yeah. Stacy wants to cut off all of Claudia's skin. And wear <laughs> it's like a Claudia suit. <laughs> yes, hello, Mimi. It's Hi. me, your granddaughter, Claudia. I would love it if you taught me how to knit. <laughs> Um, Shut up, Janine. <laughs> this fucking cat. This whole podcast. This whole operation's <laughs> falling apart now. The cat. We're we're getting into bombastic theories. The cat is knocking over our microphones. Uh, all right. So I want to bring it down to earth. I just want to. I want to like point out the one like obvious piece of symbolism that I'm sure you notice as well. The Polly's Sorry, Fine Candy. One of my favorite um, podcasters, Griffin McElroy. Oh boy. Of the Adventures. Just is tweeting at me right now. Oh wow. Congratulations. He produces his own music. Like, we're going to have to produce our own music for this podcast. Okay. Okay. Carry on. Cut that out. Uh, Polly's Fine Candy. Is that a euphemism? It's the store. Oh, yeah. It's the store where one of the bad girls from the babysitter's agency gets a job. Like, these fucking, like, spying-ass girls. Right, man. We haven't got we and haven't even gotten into that. There yet. are these two like creepy fucking sisters, creepy old sisters who run Polly's Fine Candy. Here's a quote. It's like Hansel and Gretel. Let me read this quote. Anytime kids go in the store, they fasten their eyeballs on them and don't take them off until the kids leave. Polly's Fine Candy, PFC, P- the prefrontal cortex, the oh. part of the brain that is involved in like making sure you follow social conventions. I totally saw it. I just, you didn't see that shit? That's like PFC. It's a mo- it's so fucking obvious. Like yeah. this book that is about the surveillance state and Big Brother and like girls who are trying to find the truth about themselves, but they're defined by what the state says that Man, like one truth is about I can't wait them. until we have Anna Martin on this show. Yeah. And you hit her with all this shit. Yeah, she's going to be and like. she just walks out the door. No. <laughs> She she calls her publicist on the way down, <laughs> and she's like, "What did you just book me on? This is this, this is guy in was the hitting text. me with surveillance state. <laughs> they were hitting with patriarchy. This is in the text. They kept talking man. about Claudia's bra. <laughs> um, on that note, uh, can we just very quickly? We didn't get into the spies. The babysitters decide to pivot. Yeah. And adopt a new strategy in which they uh, employ some older eighth grade girls who yep. can babysit a little later. Right. They find two girls from the who are like disgruntled outcasts yeah, from they, the babysitters. They do not agency. like Liz. They're like, the we're agency. pissed at the babysitters agency. It's bullshit. They don't pay us enough. Right. We're, we're going to join the BSC. Right. They seem really great. Yeah. They both agree to sign up. They can stay out till like eleven at yeah. night. Yeah. They both pretty quickly find gigs. On behalf of the Babysitter's Club. Come Monday morning, Babysitter's Club gets two calls back-to-back from disgruntled clients who had their babysitters skip out on them 
those two babysitters were spies. They were moles sent by the agency to infiltrate the babysitter's club and dismantle them from the inside And deliberately out. accept jobs on behalf of the babysitter's club. Right. And then just not fucking show up. And, like, these fuckers, it was, like, their one night out for the week, and they had reservations at, like, the hardest to get into restaurant at Stony Brook, which I'm sure is, like, a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and uh, these fuckers were famous Dave's furious. Barbecue. They yeah. were furious with the Babysitter's Club. And that's honestly the only thing the Babysitter's Club has going for them is There's, reliability. This is Stony Brook, Connecticut. There's not a ton of families with young babysittable children in this town. Well, and they just I, but lost, there is. There's, there's 10. There's yeah. maybe 10 families. <laughs> and they just lost two of them. I mean, they, the same people do keep coming up again and again. All right, well, do you have any closing thoughts about this novel? The adults in this book are not adults. No. They're idiots. This is a weird fantasy world in which the adults are... Babies? Babies. Yeah. A babysitter came and took care of Jamie and was smoking in the house and actually burned a hole in their chair. And the adults to that point had yet to notice. If someone came into my house, I'm not a smoker. I know you are, Jack. No, I'm not. Okay. Well, I've seen you smoke. Okay. If a smoker came into my house and even tried to light a cigarette, my house would reek for a week. Yeah. This person had enough of a cigarette to burn a hole in a chair. Yeah. No, it's they, fucking they crazy. And they're having like their neither boyfriends the over. Smell, the smell of cigarettes... The smell of sex or the hole in the chair. All very obvious, noticeable things. I Just to give you a sense of what fucked up kids these are, here's a little quote for you. They have smart mouths. They sass the teachers. They hate school. They hang around at the mall. If you're a parent, you're not going to invite those kids into your house to fucking babysit your kids, man. God, what are they, the Queen of France? Yeah. That's earlier in the quote. <laughs> oh, that is, a, that is <laughs> early in the quote. I also marked yeah, that that same quote. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like we went into this enough. These parents are on some weird shit. They're, like, forcing her to get all these crazy, insane, experimental tests and have blood drawn and get taken out of school against her will. You think, I'm going to read into what you're saying and say what I think you're saying. Okay. You think that they are cloning Stacy. Yep. So that they can harvest the clone's organs, a la the island. 100%. Yeah. That's... It's weird, man. Uh, honestly, we might as well just have one of us do yeah. this. This doesn't need to be a conversation. It's like you looked right into my mind and Christy just pulled that called out. the agency at one point. Yeah. And she was pretending that she needed a oh, yeah. charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and she said that she, was, she wasn't pretending to be an adult because she couldn't have pulled that off. But she was pretending to be a young woman yeah. who was supposed to babysit her little brother. Yeah. And no longer could mm-hmm. because she had a date with her boyfriend. Yeah. Winston, Winston Churchill. <laughs> that made me laugh. She could have said any name. She, goes she could have said like <laughs> Tad Bananas. Yeah. She could have said uh, Winston. Fuck. Jeez, oh, it is hard. It it's is hard. 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 <laughs> she could have said uh, uh, Disraeli, Benjamin Disraeli. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least if she had said Benjamin Disraeli. <laughs> It wouldn't have raised any red flags for like a fourteen-year-old who's probably learning about Winston Churchill in yeah. school yeah. right then. Yeah, she probably has no idea who Benjamin Disraeli is. That was good stuff. And her name, her the name that she gives is Candy Kane. Yeah, good. That was good. Um, all right. Well, 
Do you have a you have a closing? You want to just we're really winding things down now. Do you have a final thing you want to say about this novel before I, I wrap things up? It's the longest novel. Yeah. It's in in the original thirty five novel run I read today. Yeah. Uh, that this is the longest novel. Oh really? Yep. It went flew by. Yeah, flew by for me too, man. I read it mostly on the subway, but yeah. it was great. So good. Just really good. So much going on. What do we have next week? Next week's going to be a Marianne POV. Marianne saves the day. Whoa. Yeah, Marianne's the fucking best. We like we haven't got much from Marianne so far. Is there another serial burglar? I imagine in Stony Brook. I don't remember who she saves the day. There's a day that needs to get saved. I think the Babysitters Club is in some kind of trouble. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I really enjoyed spending time with you tonight. This has been a real pleasure. Uh, Claudia's wearing a bra now. And uh, the way she talks, uh, you'd think that boys had just been invented. That's not how sign-offs work. (laughs) How are you supposed to say it? You're supposed to wrap things up. You're supposed to say, we talked about this. We did this last week, too. Supposed to wrap things up. This is where the music comes in very quietly at first. You say, this has been the Babysitter's Club. I'm Jack Shepard. And I say, I'm Tanner Greenring. And then you say, Claudia's wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you'd think boys had just been invented. In 86... N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Um, hey, Tanner. Um, we're here with uh, Tanner and Jenkins uh, Shepherd. Hi, Jack. It's me, Jenkins Shepherd, uh, your cat. What's it like being a cat? Super great. My dick is barbed. And where are your balls? Gone. Well, okay. All right. Let's have a let's have a listen.